Thank you, Craig, for leading us. Thank you, kiddos, for your participation. Our worship team, my goodness, uh, we say this often. Uh, we are a family of families, and I love even just that opportunity to, to see our kiddos hear the good news. Um, if you've been around for a little bit, we don't want to teach our kids that they are a part of the church one day. Like one day they might get to be a part of the church when you turn 18. We want to teach our kids that they are a part of the church today. Uh, and, and so that's why you, you see our kiddos serving, welcoming on the, the welcome team. We have junior uh, kiddos who help serve and grace kids. We have uh, things like family worship and, and our Advent family worship to try to, uh, to try to help us. I think we're all, as parents, just trying to make it. And so with that, just, just welcome to Grace Church. My name is Matt, one of the pastors, and I look forward to continuing on in our Advent series this morning. Yesterday... Um, Anybody just feel the busyness of, of the season? Yesterday was one of those days for us. We, uh, we had a full day of sports, like we do it to ourselves. I get that. Uh, but we uh, had a busy day, full day of sports. I watched my youngest daughter, Brighton. She was a baller out on a basketball court. Man, she scored 12 points in the first game, and she was just, man, just rocking it, just doing great. I was blown away. I was so surprised. She got that basketball up and down the court, shooting having fun. After the game, we got back in the car. She was FaceTiming all of her grandparents, right? Like she was just, uh, we're working on pride a little bit, um, but she was excited. She was living it up, happy as she could be. And we came back a few hours later. She had a second game. I don't know why we had, a it wasn't a double header, but we came back four hours later. Why not? On a Saturday that's close to Christmas, uh, we came back and it was a close game. Like it was, uh, we ended up losing by three points, and after getting in the car to head home, we didn't even make it five minutes down the road, and we hear sniffles, and we turn around, and she's bawling her eyes out. Like she's crying, she's mad, she's frustrated. The happiness from game one didn't even last a few hours. She forgot how, how excited she was in game one, the happiness gone. Between all that, I was able to coach our son, and uh, uh, he had a football playoff game. We won the first game we were in. We came in as the number four seed. This is not, I'm not saying I'm a great coach or anything by all means. I really expected us to lose. Uh, didn't even expect to make the playoffs. Nonetheless, we came in. We won our first game yesterday morning. And in between Brighton's games, I coached us to a victory. Uh, we actually won. Deacon caught a touchdown pass. We won in overtime. Uh, by an extra point, and it was a blast. It was fun, but you know what? We got to hand out those trophies. We made it to first place. By yesterday evening, I said, Deacon, what'd you do with your trophy? And his response was, I don't know. <laughs> all of the happiness, all of, of, of his, uh, all of the things that he was happy about were, were gone from just a few hours before that. Our Bearcats, Friday night. Got to say this, we live in a community uh, that, that's very good at athletics. Friday night, our Bearcats won their 12th state title, and man, were they happy. If you got to be there, you got to see the excitement and how all the hard work paid off. People were high-fiving in the stands, neighbors sitting with neighbors. It was a fun time. It was exciting. Kids left it all on the field. All of their hard work paid off, and in that moment, you could see just pure happiness on their faces. We got in the car, we headed home, we listened to the interviews, and they were talking a lot about, man, this is just the best time, this is the best, these are my best friends in, in the entire world, and, and I'm not knocking the interviews or the things um, that were said, but my question is, what happens when 12 championships isn't enough? Like, if you think about that, what, 
what happens? I guarantee on Monday morning we're, we're going for 13. We're in the weight room. We're doing the work. We're, but what happens when 12 isn't enough? That what happens when that feeling of achievement isn't enough? Maybe you've listened to different interviews from some of our sports heroes and legends, athletes who have won it all, maybe even won it all multiple times. And most of their responses when asked about, man, how did it feel in that moment? There's a lot of happiness, but then they ask the question of like, well, what are you doing with that now? And most of their responses can be summed up like this. Hey, as good as those moments were, as happy as it made me, they never really fully satisfied me. I heard Tom Brady, he retired and came back. Why? Because that many championships, however many it was for him, wasn't enough. The pursuit of more, it was never enough. They were never fully satisfied. That feeling of winning it all never truly gave them a sense of meaning or belonging, never gave them a sense of purpose, and it certainly never gave them the joy and satisfaction that I think we all hope for. So what happens when that feeling goes away? I wonder how many of us this morning know that feeling all too well when the things of this world continue to overpromise things like true happiness and they always underdeliver. If you've been around these last few weeks, even if this is your first time, we've been walking through the season of Advent. We've been looking at the coming of our generous King. That's the sermon series, the, the generous King, Jesus. And there's been this invitation for us as a, as a body of believers, as this family of families, to, to try our best to live life at a slower pace. Now, I got caught up in the middle of it all yesterday. So I'm coming before you not saying, I've got it all figured out. I'm coming before you saying, I get it. Like, we're chasing people around constantly. Like, I feel that. But I think the invitation from the generous king, as we've looked at, is, is to slow down, live life at a slower pace. I think season of Advent for us is a a time to reflect and consider his generosity to you. I've had a lot of conversations over the last two, three weeks of of thinking about the sermon series, and I I love having these conversations. People are trying to slow down. You're trying to do it. Like you're putting in the effort. You're trying to be more conscious, be more intentional with your time as a family. You're thinking through your rhythms. You're thinking through your generosity with your time and and with your gifts and with your treasures. You're asking the questions, where does my hope, where does my peace come from? You're asking these questions. I had conversations with you this week. Are you allowing your circumstances to dictate your peace? How can you be generous with time, gifts, and treasures? How can you actually breathe hope and peace into everyday rhythms of life. I really believe if we as a church can, can push against our culture, live life a radical way, if you will, as Christ has called us, I think if we can keep doing the hard work and be honest, work to be honest with ourselves, then I think we'll see that the deepest desire of our hearts is that we just want to be known and loved. Like, we, we just want to live a life full of hope. We want to live a life that's full of peace, as we saw last week. And I believe, deep down in our soul, we actually want to be a joy-filled people. We want to live a life full of joy. But if we're not careful, as Craig just walked through with our kiddos, and we've walked through the last few weeks, just like with our hope and peace, we're going to find it's easy to try and satisfy those desires of belonging and purpose and joy and satisfaction in the things of this world. 
creation instead of creator. And creation, the good gifts our generous king gives us. Like he gives us, he generously gives us good gifts. And that can be a ton of different things. Anybody enjoy a steak dinner? And I love a, a good steak dinner. It's a good gift from the Lord to enjoy, to take in. I love great drinks around a fire this time of year. I love having to be by a fire, not to keep mosquitoes away, but to stay warm. There's just something about that for me. I love being around a fire with good drinks and good friends and and just having beautiful conversation. I think that's a sweet gift. That's a beautiful gift that the generous king gives us. The best Christmas gift you've ever received. He is good at lavishing us with his gifts, his creation. How about success with work? That's a good gift for you to enjoy. He, he might has blessed you with a raise or with the potential to be a team leader or this or that in your job. He's blessed you with that. Friendships. You look around and, and we talk a lot about deep friendships. Maybe he's blessed you with some of those deep friendships this year. That's a beautiful gift from the generous king. Your marriage, your children is a beautiful, generous gift from the king. So we are to enjoy them. Like we should take Great delight in those good gifts. We should be happy with the good gifts he gives us. But those gifts were never meant to sustain you in all of life. They were never meant to be the recipients of your worship and of your praise. They were never meant to give you meaning and purpose in your life. And to be very clear, they'll never satisfy, fully satisfy the desires of your heart. They're temporary. Those things will end. You're going to finish that steak. You're going to finish that, bo- that glass of wine. almost said bottle of wine. Don't finish the bottle. Just a glass. Just stick with the glass. Your friendships. People are going to move off. They're temporary. People will fail us. Meals will end. Fire is going to burn out. Jobs are going to come and go. And your spouse, as much as you love them, even they will disappoint you at some point in your marriage. And your soul is still going to be asking the question. It's still going to be searching for something greater. I love what one of my favorite authors, Melissa Kruger, she says this in regards to God's good gifts and how they are unable to bring perfect commitment to our souls. She says this, you cannot find complete satisfaction in any temporal gift because you were not created to find your delight in them. Even if you possessed all the good things God has created for you, you could not feel ultimate, complete satisfaction. All of your gladness and happiness rest in the God who created those things. Temporal satisfaction is only able to provide temporary happiness. The spiritual realities of our lives, who God is, what he has done for us, those secure our joy and peace. Daily time spent abiding in Jesus is what plants us like a tree by the stream, bearing fruit in all seasons and circumstances without him. She ends this and says we can do nothing. But with him, our soul prospers and is joyful in everything. You see, our our souls are longing for something. Like this Advent season stirs in us our deepest desires. We, we desire that hope. We want that peace. We desire a life full of joy. So the question I just want to put before us is, where do you find your joy? 
Every week, we've looked at where do you find your hope? Where do you find your peace? Very simply put this morning, where do you find your joy? You want to, you want to know the, the beauty of our generous king. He can give you more than you could ever imagine. And it's in him we find good news of great joy. The call for us is to actually push through, hear me on this, push through happiness and actually press into the promise of joy. And we see that promise found in our text this morning. Luke chapter 2, a text we're probably pretty familiar with this time of year. It's one of my favorite passages when thinking on the birth of Jesus. Uh, I'm going to go back. Um, I'll just kind of tell you, uh, a decree was sent out, and um, I'll, just, I'll just read it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. So this is talking about the birth of, of Jesus with Mary and Joseph. The first registration took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who, engaged, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And then verse 7, Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him tightly in cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In our text this morning, in the same region, shepherds were staying out, in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah the Lord. Just as God had promised. This, this confirms, uh, points to all of the prophecies. Just as God had promised since Genesis 3, where God actually said he would send the one who would crush the head of the serpent. Just as all of the Old Testament prophets pointed to the one that would be born in Bethlehem from generation to generation on the most ordinary night. This is why I love this story. On the most ordinary night, in the most non-extravagant and humble fashion, the Son of God was born in the most miraculous and quite frankly, the most scandalous way. And then in the same region, we see in our text, the most ordinary men doing the most ordinary, non-extravagant job of being a shepherd, and an angel of the Lord shows up in a miraculous way. It says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. God shows up to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus. And I think I love this passage so much because as it's delivered, it's just a simple message. And yet it changes everything. It's the message that actually changes the entire world. And who does God choose to tell? This is why I love it. Who's God choose to tell first? Normal, ordinary folks like you and I. God comes to them in their normal, ordinary rhythms of life. Just how beautiful is that? 
Like, I think sometimes we put so much in the extraordinary things, right? Like, well, God speaks to that person because he seems really close to the Lord. Can I just tell you, as a normal person speaking to normal, ordinary people today, don't ever look past the ordinary rhythms of life. Because it's in those moments that God shows up and do the extraordinary things. So it's in those moments he can actually show up and do the miraculous things. So don't ever look past your normal rhythms that he has for you. Those are opportunities where God can show up and do extraordinary things. So as we think back to, to this, I imagine the shepherds, they were probably sitting around a fire. That's at least how I like to imagine them, right? Long day of being with their flock. We don't know how many there are, but they're, they're there. They're, they're watching their flock all day. Now it's nighttime. It's probably cold, probably sitting around a fire. There's a good chance they weren't happy also. If you don't know much about that, that wasn't just a, a really... You didn't go to school and then go to college to become a shepherd. Like, it just wasn't one of those jobs where you're like, I cannot wait to do that when I grow up. So I imagine they weren't just full of joy at this time. I'm sure they weren't singing worship songs and reading the scriptures like a lot, uh, I think a lot of non-Christians think about Christians sitting around a fire and all we do is sing kumbaya and, and like do this. I, I think some of the most joyful times around a fire for me are actually just getting into one another's lives and asking good questions. And so I imagine these normal, ordinary men are sitting around doing normal, ordinary things and asking maybe some goofy questions, maybe talking about the good old days. They might be frustrated. They might be laughing and saying, dude, we are in charge of some really dumb animals. How many of your sheep ran off today? I'm sure they're like just talking about normal things. Might be frustrated with their pay. Can you believe I'm only getting a nickel a day for this? Can you believe, can you believe this? I asked for a raise and it didn't happen. Maybe they even had a fight with their bride that night. Honey, you got to stay out again? I know you're a shepherd, but can't, can't you bring them home? Like, can't you just bring them into the house? She just wants her husband home. I'm sure this shepherd probably has yelled at his children that day, tired. I'm sure they're tired of smelling like sheep. Like, man, what does that smell? I don't know. What does that smell? I think it's us. Like they're messing with sheep. I'm sure they stink, but nonetheless, they're, they were watching over the flock. And Scripture tells us that the angel of the Lord shows up, and they were terrified. So I imagine, yes, they were terrified. What is happening? An angel shows up in the middle of the night, and God's glory show, is shown all around them, I can probably guarantee you that they were terrified. But look what happens. Scripture says, the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Angel says, hey, man, you don't have to be afraid about anything. Hey, don't, don't, don't be worried about this. I'm coming from, from the Lord. I'm here to give you a good message, to announce something to you, something that's beautiful, that will change the course of history. I've got good news, so don't be terrified. And the good news is of great joy for all the people. And here it is. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah the Lord. I think for us, if you want to know how to, how to push through 
temporary happiness, how to push through the things that, that we really think if we had this, we would just find joy, but it's, it's actually in creation and not creator, and so it's always going to leave us wanting more. If you want to know how to push through that happiness and press into the promise of joy, I think we've got to focus on our Savior. I think, I think that's where it comes from. Think about it with me. A Savior delivers you from something and to something. Now hear that. You've heard me say this. If you've been around, you know that I I say often that God doesn't just save you from something. He actually saves you to something. He didn't just save you from an eternity in hell. While that is great and good and beautiful and true, he's actually saved you into this grand adventure of life right now where he has plans and purpose and and a promise for you. So a Savior actually delivers you from something and to something. In the Old Testament... If we're looking at this scripturally, the Old Testament's full of Yahweh delivering his people, and he does it in some pretty amazing ways. Again, one of my favorite passages and stories is the story of Exodus. He actually uses, he delivers, saves his people uh, through force. He publicly destroys all the gods, lowercase g, in the land. Look through the Psalms, we see God is our help, our Savior, over and over again. You hear David crying about, out, God, where are you? Oh yeah, you're my refuge and my strength, you're my Savior, you're my deliverer, you're my rock, over and over again. You see, the prophets in the Old Testament are constantly delivering a message that says, hey, there's no other salvation. This guy that we're talking about, this Messiah that's to come, Know this, hear this, there's no other salvation outside of God, Yahweh, that I am, the Alpha, the Omega, beginning and the end. There's no other salvation outside of God. And now, God comes to his people through an angel of the Lord yet again, and he delivers a message that changes everything. Like, it's a pivotal moment in history for them. If you've been around, you've seen the cycle of judges, you know that they say, God, where are you? He provides a deliverer, a savior, they thank him, then they go back and they live. Culture is running in this time rampant with the worship of these false gods still. You want a baby? Well, then you better do this to the, for, the, for, for the fertility God. You want your crops to grow? Well, you better bow down and do this for the God of the sun, the God who brings the rain, lowercase g's. If you want to fill in the blank, then you must do this for that, lowercase g, God. And the message from the Lord in Luke 2 is, today, in the city of David, a Savior was born, Savior was born for you. Like a Savior is announced to shepherds in the middle of nowhere, on an ordinary night, in a very extraordinary way, God says, hey, for you. I need you to hear that. He didn't go to the high priest. He didn't go to the one who had it all figured out. He didn't go to the religious person who memorized all of the Roman road and lives a very legalistic life and doesn't ever do this but always is living. He didn't go to that person. He went to the shepherds in the field, the stinky, smelly shepherds like you and I, and he announced good news to them of great joy because today a Savior is born. 
Like, I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot, of, a lot of hope, a lot of peace, but it also gives me a lot of joy. Like, this message is for me today. I needed this today. I think you, I think our hearts need this message today, that we find joy in Him providing us a Savior. Like, this is the central theme of our Savior. This one that was born today, as He's talking to the shepherds, look at Luke 19. Jesus says this, Today, salvation, this is Jesus speaking, has come to this house. Jesus told him, because He too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Not seek in, or not uh, come to the, the one who has it all figured out, but to seek and save the lost. John 3.17, this is a central theme. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. He's our Savior. John 4.42, as people began to experience the Savior for themselves, this is what we see. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard of ourselves and know that this is really the Savior of the world. It's Peter's message in Acts chapter 5, verse 31. God exalted this man, talking about Christ to his right hand as ruler and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. My goodness, like I, I want you to hear me this morning. A Savior has been born for you. Like, that's the central message of the gospel. A Savior has been born for you. And though our life isn't always going to work out how we hoped for or how we think it ought to, like, we're not always going to find ourselves in all of these happy circumstances, but in Christ, you have everything you will ever need. The message of great joy is that the Savior comes to you, born for you, to save and seek the lost, to save the world, to give forgiveness, as we saw, of sins. Like, if you, thinking about this, if you are here this morning and you find yourself struggling to find hope, you find yourself struggling to find peace in your life, you find yourself struggling to find joy, maybe you feel that you can't have any, have any of those, because you've just messed up too much. You just, you're just too far. Matt, you don't know all the things that I've done in my life. You don't know all the things that have been done to me in my life. I've messed up so much. There's no way God is, is for me. There's no way he's actually inviting me into this, this beautiful adventure. My life is a wreck right now. Can I give you some good news this morning? The Bible is full of people who have outsend you. It's full of people who have outsend you. Like that's what makes the message of Christmas so amazing. That's why people are so open this time of year of hearing the, the true message of Christmas. Even those who are as skeptic as you can think of, those who are doubting are still longing for something. While they don't say it's God, they're looking for something. They're looking for answers. That's what makes this message of Christmas, the God of the Bible, so intriguing, so amazing. They're longing for something. They're longing for something that this world can't give them. 
I think there's a lot of people walking around, searching for hope, longing for this peace, trying to find joy in life. They have these, these yearnings in their soul for something more. And the world offers a lot of temporary fixes. Happiness comes and goes. I told you earlier, people are going to leave. Things are going to break. The fire is going to, to go out one day. Your money is going to run out. There is a restlessness of searching and trying to find the answers. Family, the message of Christmas is one of good news and great joy. Because all the things our hearts are longing for, the true peace, the true hope, the true joy can actually be found in the beautiful promise delivered some 2,000 years ago today. A Savior was born for you. So as we continue to do the work of slowing down, of, uh, of thinking and considering during this Advent season, I hope you find happiness in the gifts that you give and receive. Like I, I hope that the Lord, the generous King, gives you some good gifts to reflect on, to enjoy together as a family this season. But more than the temporary pleasures that those gifts will give you, I pray you find great joy and delight in knowing that the generous king, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what good gifts you have, don't have, think you need, the generous king offers you good news of great joy, and his name is Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we come before you this morning. We thank you for... Um, God, we just, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for being a generous God who left your throne. You didn't need us. You didn't, you didn't need to fulfill something in your heart. From eternity past, the Father, Son, and Spirit, you have been eternally joyful and delightful and even happy. You're a happy God because you have Father, Son, and Spirit. You are in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so you didn't, you didn't need us to find your joy. I think that's what blows my mind. Like, you didn't need us. You were totally content, full of joy, eternally happy. And yet you breathed life into all of creation. That is not a filling up. That's not that you needed something. That, you breathing life into all creation is actually just an overflow of your delight. It's an overflow in your happiness. It's an overflow of your joy in your creation. And so Lord, I, I do believe that there's this invitation for us to come to you, to ask these questions, where, where does our joy come from? Lord, to, to think and to consider, to slow down, to have these conversations, to actually push through happiness and press into the promise of joy today. Lord, my, my prayer is that we would grow tired and weary of chasing after happiness and the things of this world, even the good gifts you give us. We grow tired and weary so that we can find joy in our Savior that has come. Would you help us this morning 
to help us answer the question of where, where do we find our joy? And if it's in anything besides you, would we just unashamedly come to you and say, God, I, I found a lot of happiness in my spouse. I found a lot of happiness in my job. I found a lot of happiness in a lot of other areas. If I had this amount of money or if I had this vehicle, if we had this square footage in our house, and would you just come before him? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not his, uh, it's not even his, his anger, really. It's genuinely his kindness leads his children to repent. And so, Lord, help us to, to repent this morning. Speak to our hearts this season. Maybe a, a life that we live, not just a few weeks, but would you stir in our hearts to, to put our hope, find our hope and our peace and our true joy in you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.